Holy smokes, UMass loses 3-1 at home to UNH. We got all the details for you in our game recap. Plus, it's episode 69. Let's go. Everybody and welcome to episode 69 of High Character. We were hoping for a nice UMass win to be able to recap it, but um, they they laid an egg against UNH. They lost three to one at home. Um, we talked the last episode about being embarrassed, and this is uh, this is even worse than that. So um, we're here to recap it for you guys. My name is Cameron. I am joined by my good friend Evan. Evan, how you doing on episode 69? You know, it's, I was kind of thinking the whole time, like, oh, it'd be really nice to get a little, a little pun for the 69th episode. And I think even that we lost, I could still say one because we kind of got by UNH and it's episode 69. So, I mean, we were thinking it'd be a nice episode, but yeah, it ended up going in the other direction. So it wasn't ideal. I mean, nothing just seemed to go right. Refs weren't fully helping the situation. UNH did a couple of slimy things that I wasn't a very big fan of in the moment. So yeah, there, there's, there's a little bit to unpack for this game and we should just get right into it. Yeah. And on top of that, UMass just, uh, they came ready to play, but by the end of the game, they were not ready. Um, so news coming in, we had talked about it on the preview episode. Um, we thought Henry Graham might get the start and he indeed did um, the third string walk on goalie, getting us another start in conference play in a game you really need to win. And he's, he's earned it um, at this point. I mean, Pavisic, um, I don't think he's been bad by any means, but um, I guess just the switch up might've been the the spark that this team needed. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been on the defense for the most part, just for all the goals against and everything like Pav's been looking extremely solid, especially considering that he's had to deal with a ton of shots every game, but I mean, the stats are in Graham's favor right now, granted a limited sample size, but even after the UNH game, his stats are still quite decent. I think I had it pulled up earlier and for some reason closed it before starting the episode. I think he's still rocking like a 950 save percentage and like a one, like 140 goals against average, like a 1.4. Like it's something insane. So his numbers are decent. I feel like it's still his net because I genuinely don't think he lost it. I mean, you really can't blame a goalie when you only get one goal you know, like, like in, on the offensive side of things. So, I mean, I, I don't blame Graham at all. And I'm, I'm happy with how he's been playing so far, quite frankly. Yeah. And he looked, he looked pretty good on very limited chances in the first period. Um, like I said, UMass, they came out hot. They came out yeah. ready to play. Um, there was no scoring in the first period, but UMass won the, sh- uh, the shots on goal edge 13 to six. Um, they had one situation where, um, there was a rebound opportunity. The ref had thought that um, UNH's goalie trapped and covered the puck, um, even though it was very clearly a rebound right off his uh, his pads or his chest. Um, and UMass tapped it in. I believe it was Webster that put it home, but the whistle had blown right before that because, like I said, the ref lost the puck. So um, it very much should have been UMass one nothing in this period, but the period does go scoreless. Yeah, we, this was one of those cases where it's like, we didn't get what we deserved there. Like we were out playing the hell out of UNH that first period. And 
it culminated in what seemed to be a goal. Like, you know, you would figure, you know, one nothing right there, especially going into the next period, that would be a really, really good way to head into the locker room for a relatively struggling team over the past couple of weeks. You know, it'd be a nice little confidence boost going into another period. And it, we got robbed, you know what I mean? Simple as that. It was super unfortunate. And yeah, I thought the refs weren't amazing. I don't want to blame the entire game on them, but I mean, that was obviously a pretty damn egregious error, all things considered. Yeah, it absolutely was. I agree with you. Um, we, they go to the locker room scoreless, come out for the second. Um, and very quickly, just one minute into the second, UNH skating a puck down the sideboards. Um, they only have two guys to UMass's four trying to defend it, but um, Cy Leclerc, a guy we highlighted in the preview episode, kind of just skates in and into the slot on the backhand, tosses it on. It was going wide, but it looked like it hit Ryan Upco, deflected right into the goal to make it one nothing UNH. Yeah, I don't really know if there's really anything to blame here. That's a really unfortunate puck bounce, and it just kind of reinforces the idea that a lot of our puck luck has been going the other way recently, which really sucks. Um, Ufko is in a decent position to try and cover the cross crease, and it was just one of those weird hits off of his shin. I mean, maybe you could be a little bit more aware of where your body's at to try and not deflect that in, but you really can't blame anybody on this one. It's just one of those unfortunate goals against, I feel like. Yeah, it was, and it made it one nothing. Um, UMass returned the favor shortly later, just just about six minutes in. Um, we see a pretty similar play: Scott Morrow skating in um, down the sideboards and skates into the slot, and uh, Michael Cameron's right home to to clean up a pass in front from Morrow, makes it one one. Mm, this is another. I mean, Morrow and Cameron have been playing very very well offensively as of late, and. I mean, if, if somebody were to tell me, you know, before the game started, hey, they're going to hook up for a goal here, I would say you're completely right. Like, I would not be surprised in the slightest. Um, really, really nice, you know, move into the zone by by Moro. He kind of just beats his guy and goes in deep, puts it out in front of the net, and Cameron's there to tap it home. I mean, really, really solid goal. Sucks we couldn't get any more of these, you know what I mean, considering how well we were playing basically up until this point. It seemed like the moment that we got this goal, everything just kind of shifted. And we just didn't understand how to play UNH afterwards, which was really stupid. But yeah, I thought this was a really good play and I really wish we could play more like this throughout the entire game. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the the rest of the period, not too much action. Um, not many shots between both teams. UNH had the edge eight to six. So um, pretty, pretty low in the shot totals there. They went into the third one to one and another really quick answer from UNH out of the locker room. Two minutes in, um, just watching the highlight, Morrow and McDermott get burnt, um, make it a three-on-one going into UMass's zone. Blauenbach does all he could, gets on his stomach trying to block the pass, but uh, UNH is able to get a cross-crease pass through, and Kristaps, oh, my God. Good luck with that one. Rastins puts it home to make it two-to-one. Who knows? I think he's Latvian, if I'm remembering correctly, so, I mean – yeah, it's, it's kind of a tough one, especially if you're not familiar with how to pronounce their, their names. But um, point being, um, Morrow and McDermott burnt. This isn't a big surprise. This has happened a lot this season, much to everybody's dismay. Nobody likes to point this out, but it's objectively a fact. This has happened a lot. And you got to give credit to Lautenbach here. Like, I think this is the first time this entire season that I've seen somebody like go prone on their chest to try and block a pass or a shot. Usually we kind of stay on our feet to try and do that. So, I mean, I respect the effort there and it kind of sucks that it wasn't rewarded, you know, with a, with a block there, but 
Yeah, another one where I don't blame Graham really in the slightest. It was another defensive breakdown. It was another basically cross crease that just happens to get tapped out in front and it goes in. As a goalie, I mean, if you make that save, that's an unbelievable save. If you don't, you blame the defense. It's, it's as simple as that. So, again, wasn't the worst play by, by Graham, but I think the defensive breakdown is another concerning thing because in the preview episode, I mentioned the entire time, limit these sorts of chances, limit these sorts of mistakes, and we win the game, and look what happens. Like, it's UNH, damn it. Like, I don't know. I don't want to harp too much on the quality of the opponent because every time I've done that, we've gotten burnt. This is another case right here. I need to shut the hell up when I'm talking about other teams. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those games, I guess. Yeah, and uh, this both teams played pretty evenly down the stretch in this one. Um, there were a couple non-calls that UMass really wanted. We really heard Coach Carville giving it to the refs from the bench. Uh, but the refs kept their whistles in their pockets for this entire period. Um, shot totals ended up being 10-9 to 9 UNH, so, so pretty even there. And a really interesting um, conversation we could have of of the ending of this game because Coach Carville pulls Henry Graham pretty early. It's more than three minutes left uh, in a one-goal game. And a little puzzling because UMass is really struggling to keep any kind of um, pressure or zone time at this moment. But they they have three minutes of empty net. Um, UNH is able to get a puck down deep, um, get themselves a face-off in UMass's zone. Obviously, Henry Graham goes back. Uh, and quickly goes back to the bench and something happens where uh, I think the puck flipped over the glass or something. There's a center ice face off uh, and Henry Graham's looking, thinking that he's probably staying on the ice for this one. Um, and coach Carville calls him off uh, and promptly UNH wins the face off immediately um, sauces one down and scores on the empty net. So um, interesting decision there. I thought um, I kind of disagree with the decision. I don't know about your thoughts on it. I, I have a couple of thoughts that, that jumped to my head. So the very first thing that I notice is I'm looking at the face-offs from the box score. Josh Nodler took the face-off. Nodler, Nodler, however you, I keep screwing it up. Not the point. He took the face-off. He was 50% on the night for his face-off. So I think that last face-off would have made him exactly 50%. So he was slightly above 50, I think, when he took the face-off. Eric Faith is sitting there in front of the bench playing like deep left wing. He's the and extra he, guy. He's the extra guy out there. He was 12 and five on the night on faceoffs. I feel like at the bare minimum, you give him the faceoff, if anything. But I have my own issue with him even being on the ice, in my well, plus, opinion. Plus, we've discussed Nodler's uh, inefficiency at the dot the last few games. Yeah, the past couple of games, he's been, I mean, granted, 50% in this game, not that bad. But in general, he's been pretty mid over the past couple of, you know, the, the past week or two, you'd say. No, three or four games what he what he was in this game was mid what he was before was awful that's 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 yeah i use yeah. the word mid in different contexts yeah. sometimes so you get the idea though like i i have my own issue with faith even being on the ice because for me i mean the way that i've i've noticed eric faith's game you know just over the course of his four years here or i guess three and a half if we're counting you know this season he's supposed to be good in the face-off dot which he was in this game fair play he's meant to be physical you know a good four checker defensively solid he's not meant to be a goal scorer that's not his game he has what one goal on the season and he probably has had about 20 scoring chances <laughs> like he, he can't even hit the net half the time like I'm not this isn't meant to be a, a an Eric Faith roast session this is more of a what are we doing as you know like 
There's a bunch no, of other guys that you would exactly. you would have out there. Like, like, all right, let's let me. I didn't even bother to do this yet. Let's do a quick head count of who was on the ice for this. Cal Keefuke, Reed Lebster, so Josh Nodler. Okay, so the first line. Yep. Then you had Ryan Ufko and Scott Moore, your two yep. best D men on the season. That's fair. And then you had Eric Faith. Kenny Why Connors, is Connors not on the ice? Is... I mean, the, the only thing that I was going to say is Connors didn't have the best of games. Yep. That's we, I, I feel like we can, we can all agree. He whiffed on a bunch of pucks. He was losing the puck a bunch of times. He, it seemed like he was falling down at random moments. His skating was a bit poor. He didn't have the best game of all time. Fair enough. But, like, it's just, like, out of anybody, like, Faith? like Even, even then, if it is Faith. Like, why not Michael Cameron? Right. There's like, a, with, with his speed, especially, because it, on this play, on the center ice faceoff, you have um, Faith right on the red line near UMass's bench. So that they're assuming they're going to win the faceoff and have a quick entry. But yep. the problem with that is there's a minute and a half still left on the clock. Faith is not your fastest guy. Michael Cameron's nope. your fastest guy. So, so if there's a center ice faceoff with 20 or 15 seconds left, um, you that's the play you should run. But I, I think they should have had Faith um, in a pseudo goalie position if yeah. you're gonna already have like if you're gonna have six skaters at that point. Um, it's it's just really weird. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just because then the other thing that you could do is like, I, I'm again, this is why we're not coaches. We're just, you know what I mean? Like, this is not what we get paid to do. We don't even get paid to do this. You get the idea. Like, I just, you, 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 there's two ways that you could take it. You can either go for the quick face off win, assuming you win the face off, right? Which is already a bit risky in itself. It's genuinely a 50 50 shot. And you try and do some sort of quick zone entry stuff and then you get into the zone, or you treat it as a power play where you win the face off. You cycle it back into your own zone and then you take a rush. You know what I mean? And like you have time I, for that. And, and and that is what I, I think you're kind of suggesting that if you were to pull faith back, like towards towards our own D zone to play that pseudo goalie type thing, that's when you know you're 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 basically taking it as a normal face off at that point. It's just you're gonna be able to get the the goalie off for your skater quicker because he's yeah. already out there. Like I like if you're if you're going for that speed up the wing immediately, why don't you have a faster guy? Exactly. In that spot? Like, like even Tyson Dick, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he didn't have the greatest of games, I don't feel like. You know, he was okay, but he wasn't amazing. Like Kolohara, he's he's really, really solid. You know, I just feel like I mean, the only other thing I could potentially think of would be to to have Eric Faith just parked out in front, screening the goalie. He's a big guy, like I guess, but it's not like he's really had that sort of net front presence that has led to goals recently. You know what I mean? It's just right. when I think of we need immediate goal scoring, literally the last person in my mind is Eric Faith. Right. Just... It, you could maybe maybe the logic from uh, the coaching staff is hey, there's a minute and a half left. Like let's let's wait to put our main scores in with 45 seconds left, like a, like a shift change. But like. If that's if that's what you're doing, then why, like, and you have time for that? Why are you? Why is the goalie not in in this? Picture? Yeah, genuinely, like, it, it literally this entire three minute conversation that we've just had becomes a completely moot point because we lose the face off and they score within three seconds of taking mm-hmm. the face off. Like that, if that just seemed like such a weird rolling over and just dying moment to me. Like after I saw that, I genuinely I haven't left a UMass game early in I want to say years. But that I was so frustrated and mad right there. Like, just I couldn't possibly figure out what the hell was going on on the ice. And I was so lost. I just, I didn't even want to be in the building anymore. I literally left early. So, 
Yeah. Like even so even to, even to have the recollection like hey our goalie's gone. Um why don't we put like one of our D men up the middle? Like figure out like whatever side Nodler normally wins the face off to take the other guy and have him play more towards the middle of the the center ice circle. Yeah, like clearly like, the coaching staff must have been completely 100% confident that we would win the face off there. Yeah, that, that has like, to be. But that's what I'm saying though is that if you if you're confident you're going to win the face off anyway, what is the point of taking off the goalie to save those, what, three seconds that it would take for the goalie to sprint away yeah. from the net to get onto the bench? Like, you could have easily, in the, in the time that it would take the goalie to come off the ice to the bench, you could have been cycling the puck back in your own zone and getting ready to take the puck back up the ice. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I think I the just, reason that we're, we're stuck up on this so much is, like, we are not used to Coach Carvel or his staff, like, having a moment like this. Yeah, it just like, it, like, we're, we're, it, we don't like question much about like the coaching or positioning or anything like that. So this is what's really puzzling to us. And just the fact that it led to an immediate goal. Yeah, like it just like it made it look 10 times worse because like we're sitting here trying to think like, OK, well, they could do this play. They could do this play. They could do this play. Like there's all these things that they could do. And instead, they could straight up lose the face off cleanly. And then it gets put in the back of their net within two and a half seconds. Like, yeah. That, if, that's yeah, the if, biggest if this happens, if this happens with twenty to thirty seconds left, I say okay, it is what it is. But a minute and a half, we had time. I don't, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, again, it's not like it's, it, it's not a massive point because we're already down, we're already losing. If if we really want to play full on cope here, we could literally say the game should be tied two two because of the first goal that was called back off the the early whistle. I mean, it like, should have. Yeah, there are so many different ways that the game could have gone. Like it was insane to me. Like. The, re- the refs were a joke. Like, there should have been at least, at least three or four delay a game calls on UNH off of icing calls where they were yeah. sitting there playing musical musical players on, on the bench trying to game the system to get another minute and a half of extra rest time. Yeah, what is with Hockey East Rest not seeing what they're trying to do there? Like It happened so many – like, UNH iced the puck more than any team I've seen this season. Almost every time they are acting confused, having six guys on the ice and the refs were just putting up with it. Yeah, the centers were sitting there doing like 17 loops around the faceoff off before finally going towards it. They would constantly have a sixth guy on the ice that's just looping around like near the blue line, you know, like or like near the other two defensemen saying, do I stay? Do I go? What do I do, coach? You got to tell me like, you know exactly what you're doing, dude. And like, it's like, I'm not mad necessarily at UNH for doing it because they got away with it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's on the refs to be responsible and to enforce the rules, and they just did not do that in so many different areas. Like Carvey was pissed. I think it was the second or third period, like genuinely screaming at the ref for a solid minute and a half, just saying, "Make the call, ref! Like yeah. make the call!" Like he was screeching like a banshee at him. Like <laughs> it was unbelievable to me. So yeah, I mean, poorly officiated game, but I mean the the third period was just absolutely anemic offensively for us like I just didn't like the way that we looked at all like our zone entries from the first period completely gone like we looked great in the first period we looked like we looked like BU against us like on Wednesday like yeah just completely creative passing you know creative deking to get around their guys to get in the zone cleanly and set up on the ozone we looked amazing and then the second period it started to wane away a little bit and the third period was just downright awful like, I, I just don't understand, like, how it doesn't even seem like we were getting out game planned. It didn't even look like UNH was doing anything differently. It just seemed like we just started to suck. Like, we just forgot how to play hockey. And I don't know. It's just been happening for too long this season, and it's just been, it's been weighing on me. You know what I mean? Like, 
It, it, like any time that I've been thinking for the past couple of weeks, like, can it really get any worse? Can we play any worse? And then this game happened and I'm like, all right, well, this is rock bottom now. Like literally losing to the worst team in hockey East statistically and in the standings right now. Like, where do we go from here? You know what I mean? Like, I guess the only way is up at this point, but it's like, are we even going to be able to do that? Because it just seems like, like, all right, the last point that I'll say, because I can tell that you want to talk, you know, I'm really sorry. The last thing I know, I'm being really annoying. The people that are listening to this are probably pissed. The, the whole thing that Carvey you know, said at the beginning of the season when we interviewed him, he said, he knows we have a young team. It's important that we improve throughout the course of the season so we can play our best hockey towards the playoffs. That would be a perfectly fine quote if we were actually improving. But we've genuinely gotten worse since, our, since the first games of the season. We, we have not been, we've been a shell of our former selves, you know, because we, we started off the, the season amazingly. And now we are playing like absolute dog crap. And it is perplexing to say the least. Yeah, it is. And uh, you were hung up on a, a quote from Coach Carvel recently where he said, if, if we're just able to string together three good periods, then we'll be good, uh, which is true. But yes. like, but this team hasn't been able to string together three good periods in one game this season. Yeah, outside of outside of the first couple of weeks against Denver and Union. And, yeah, and I, I, yeah, and that's it's just it's tough. Like you said, it seems like there's uh, some like going backwards a little bit, and it, it kind of shows because this is the first time. Um, in the new polls that UMass is unranked, I believe, since 2018. So in five years, this is the first time they're unranked. Like, I get it. Like, you, when you have a young team, consistency is going to be one of the biggest things that you're going to have to instill within them. I, like, that, that makes sense. Like, they're, they're an immature team. They're not – they don't have the experience yet. It's going to take time. That's fair. But, like, it just seems like, again, like – these seemed like problems that we should have been having at the beginning of the season. And now we should be playing better. And the fact that we have, we have gotten worse and regressed is just concerning. You know what I mean? Like there's like, I, I don't know if, if I don't, I don't know what would make me happy here. Like, I don't know if it's a case of just like hearing more accountability, like within like post game quotes or something like that. Like, because it just kind of seems like, at least from what I'm reading through, you know, post-game interviews and media and stuff, it's all just very like passive, like no big deal. Like we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna figure it out when we figure it out. Like it doesn't really seem like there's a sense of urgency, and I guess it makes sense because there really shouldn't be because everybody makes the playoffs anyway. But like, just from a perspective of trying to garner national prestige and to you know market yourself as a high-level hockey program having these sorts of, you know, dry spells of, of playing mediocre and, you know, cause there's really no other way to put it. It's, it, it just doesn't look good. And it, the only thing that it makes me worry about is like future prospects that have already committed. Like, and then they, then they see this and they're thinking like, 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 like what's wrong with the team right now? Like, it's just, I don't know, like maybe I'm just getting cold feet because we've already had like one or two guys decommit from the team in the past couple of months, but I don't know. I, maybe it's just because I want to see the team play the best whenever possible, but I'm just nervous. That's all. Yeah. And that, and that does happen in hockey guys decommitting quite yeah. often, uh, pretty flaky um, our hockey players before they go to college. But yeah, it's, it's tough because it's just the brand that we've been sold of UMass hockey outside of the, the freshman um, aspect of this team and the, and the young 
at like average age outside of that like the the things that this brand of new mass are built on just we're not seeing them much yeah. really and that's i think i won't make the assumption for you but i believe what you're trying to say about your concerns and i fully agree with it yeah and i guess like the last point i probably mentioned this before in previous episodes but like the whole fast hard prepared thing you i feel like if there were going to be players that were unprepared that would be because of their inexperience with the program and you kind of have to instill that mentality into them. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like a lot of the fundamental mistakes and just effort-based mistakes that I've seen recently have been from upperclassmen. Like they, they should know what brand of hockey UMass is about, you know, like they should understand the new mass culture. And it seems like, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get bold in my assumptions here, but just like, I feel like those sorts of values were much better shown off in previous classes, upperclassmen, you know, guys that are no longer with the program. And it's like, like, like what got lost in translation with the rest of the guys, you know what I mean? Like you'd figure that that culture would just kind of trickle down and everybody would kind of get it, but it seems like it skipped a generation. You know what I mean? If that kind of makes sense. Like, right. And I, that seems uh, like what you just said, kind of like a drastic thing to say, but if you like, have watched closely every game this season you'll see like in years prior we haven't had goals scored in us for mental lapses nearly as much as we have this year like i would i'm willing to bet it's like like multiple times more than we've had like of last season just for example it's it's that's why it's just so tough to to see i'm not sure what the fix is it's very perplexing just the whole situation to me but yeah all right. Anything else you wanted to talk about in this game before we jump into our awards? Um, yeah, I just hate UNH. I'm so salty that they didn't refund my ticket because I got COVID and I couldn't go to the game. Yeah, um, that's fair. And the fact that they just really, they were just guard, like they were just gaming the system on the ice things just annoyed me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's just something about UNH just scummy. I don't know. Not a fan, but it, uh, yeah, it's interesting that they pull out those tactics and, uh, I'm assuming other games as well, and their record is still awful, seven sixteen and one. So, yeah, scummy team. It is what it is. Hate to see it, but yeah, let's move into the awards, eh? All right. So the the first award that we like to give out is the CCC award, Carvel's Character and Compete Award. And for this game, we're giving it to Michael Cameron. He's he's been a real spark out there with his speed. Um, and lately, his knack to score goals. Um he's kind of been one of the, one of the lone like shining stars in this, this lineup, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's looked good. I mean, maybe this award isn't necessarily just for this game. Granted he did get the lone goal, but like just over the course of the past couple of weeks, I mean, he's been, he's been on a pretty solid point streak. I want to say like five or six games now he's been doing his thing, especially when you consider the fact that pretty sure he was a healthy scratch, like earlier on in the season, he was like getting barely getting extra skater time. And now he's kind of carved out a nice, you know, fourth to second line role you know I mean talking about what line somebody's on is kind of arbitrary when you're not really sure you know we kind of just roll all four lines anyway but uh yeah he's definitely a uh you know a game in game out kind of guy so he's been he's been playing a lot more and he's been impressing in his time so very happy with how he's been playing recently yeah me as well and uh he's tied for the team lead in goals which is impressive that's awesome in his limited time he has seven uh Connors and Taylor McCarr also have seven uh, which this is kind of out of place, but uh, we should talk about it. We probably should have mentioned it before. Yeah. Um, Taylor was benched for this game, uh, likely because of the major that he got against BU. So um, we 
didn't hear officially, but we have to assume it's for disciplinary reasons that he didn't play against UNH. Yeah, I mean, you figure um, would have been nice to have him in the lineup, I think. I, you know, as like, I understand the whole you got to discipline your guys and you can't let them, you know, do stupid stuff and get away with it. That's fair. But like, I think his style of play would have literally fit this game perfectly. So it really does suck that he was out for this game. I just think his speed and his his size would have been huge. And he probably could have got himself a goal or two. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. And, yeah, hopefully he'll be in the lineup uh, against UConn this weekend. Right. It's it's a little bit frustrating to me. Obviously, the spearing from Taylor, boneheaded. Like, you don't do that. Yeah. But um, that's not the first time he's been publicly disciplined, if, if that is the case here. Um, it's not the first time. And it's, it's just weird to me because uh, he's one of the few this season that um, – his effort and, and drive comes out much more than most. Um, and he's the one, the only one that so far this season has received like disciplining from the coaching staff in terms of playing time that we know of. Um, there could have been stuff behind the scenes that we don't know of, but uh, yeah, it's a little weird to me. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I'm hoping that this will be the last time because as, as I don't know, I don't want to play like devil's advocate, but it's like, I, Obviously, I think everybody appreciates the effort and, you know, just kind of the overall enthusiasm that the kid has. You know, he he shows, like we always say, he gives a shit, you know, simple as that. But it you got to do it in a smarter way. You know what I mean? Like just because five minute majors, regardless of, you know, whether we imagine we were up in that game two to one and he does that. Right. And then it's a five minute major. You know, like we could add a five minute major just because of the hit. But now it's going back to a to a four on four or a five on five. Like now they're offsetting majors because he does that stupid stuff. Like you, you can't, you can't not discipline him for that. You know what I mean? But again, it really does suck that it was him out of all people that that had to happen to, you know what I mean? Because we're all rooting for him because, you know, he, he's a fan favorite for the way that he acts, but he just has to do it smarter. Yeah, absolutely. A um, little side tangent there from us. Sorry. We missed of this at the start. Um, the next award that we give out is the good try UMass award. Somebody um, we'd like to see improve a little bit for the next game. And I think this is a, a high character first, um kind of kind of hard to pinpoint any certain player for this um for the for the last game specifically we're giving it to Carvey um I don't think we've done that before uh we just really don't let me speak for you if I'm not but um disagree with that call to to pull Henry Graham at the center ice face off um just very weird when you break it down like we did before so um yeah tough award to give out um we don't expect many more if all to go to him in the future but uh this is what we always settled on for this game. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was a couple of names in my head for players that I could have gone to, but I mean, just, yeah, I feel like if if we spent a, you know, we literally spent 10 minutes of this episode talking about that that whole pulled goalie thing, and it's like at this point to not discuss it just kind of makes, you know, it's just a little weird to not talk about it in the award section now. So, I mean, yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen again. I mean, it was just a really, like, it, we could very well be getting a metric crap ton of DMs at the end of this episode where people, you know, listen in tomorrow or something like that are going to be like, nah, Carvey did the right thing. Like there's going to be a bunch of people that probably know more than us for, you know, some weird reason. And we're, we're probably going to end up figuring out that it maybe it wasn't such a bad idea, but in the moment, I, I still am not a hundred percent sure what was going on in that moment. So yeah, really weird stuff, but uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully things do get better in the future and we don't have to, you know, throw that award out there. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, we're not experts on it. We just we just watch a lot of hockey, and that really stuck out to us. Like, yeah. um, like not much else does. So, um, yeah, that's that's that award. 
All right, let's move over to our, our custom awards now. You want to toss yours out first? Yeah, um, I feel like we've been giving this guy an award for the past like four episodes now, but uh, I'm tossing it over to Henry Graham. Um, I'm going to call this one the, uh, like, the Hey Kid, You're the Starter Now award, basically, because it, it's, you know, I don't even know a, a proper way to, to, to name that. But, yeah, that's basically the gist of it. Um, he's, he's a starting goalie now. Simple as that. I mean, nobody really expected it. I mean, I kind of expected it going into the UNH game, even though it was never officially confirmed in any sort of capacity. But just all signs kind of seem to be pointing to that, at least statistically. So, I mean, yeah, dude's earned it. It seems like you know, everybody on the team is ecstatic for him. You know, there was a couple of interviews, I think, during the quick trip holiday tournament thing that, you know, the players were really excited, you know, seeing him get a start. And now he's basically gotten the starting job, at least until he loses it, you know, and that's kind of what Carby said over the course of the year. You know, it was originally going to be a, you know, a Pav Brady kind of faceoff, but even when we were talking with, with Carby on the pregame or the, the preseason like interview type thing that we did with him, like he mentioned Graham in the conversations and like me and you were thinking like, okay, like, I guess that might just be like a formality him mentioning Graham, you know, because you can't just forget about your third string goalie. But like, it, it's kind of funny that, you know, he made a, made a point to mention him and now he's getting, you know, the full-time starting job, at least for now. So yeah, super cool to see and really proud of him. Yeah, I am as well. He's really shined in his uh, opportunities so far this season. I, um, we're assuming that he's going to be the starter come, uh, the UConn series You'd figure. based on this situation. Um, I'm not doing this to play devil's advocate. Like I, I don't think that's the best idea personally. I think they should switch back to Pavin net. Um, I think Pav has been really good this season. I think the defense has, um, hurt him and hurt his stats a little more than we give credit for. And, especially next season where there's question marks, I feel like you might want to like have your guy and not make him totally lose confidence by getting his job stolen straight up from the third string, especially when he didn't really do that much to lose it. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I mean, just off principle, man, like I feel like the stats like in recent games have shown that Pavisic at least needed to rest at some point. You know what I mean? Dude let in five goals against BU. Right. Granted, and I mean, Graham in a similar amount of time put up better numbers. Fair enough. Like I haven't seen out of Graham this season. He has not let in a goal that he should. He's he's not let in a soft goal yet. And he has made some 10 bell saves. Like I, I feel like on principle, if he shits the bet against UConn, then it most likely would have been that any goalie would have shot the bet against UConn. UConn's a good team. You know what I mean? I feel like the goalies are only going to be as good as the team in front of him. And that's why Pav lost his job originally was because the defense in front of him wasn't that great. Yeah. He might've lent a couple of softies along the way, which Henry Graham hasn't yet. I feel like you got to let him, let him cook until he can't cook anymore. You know what I mean? If he runs out of gas, then it is what it is. But I mean, I feel like at some point the whole, you know, you were meant to be the first string guy. So we're going to give you the first string job. I mean, it got to be on merit at some point. You know what I mean? I feel like he's earned it. So, you know, if, if he's going to, you know, play poorly at some point, then it's good to know that we got Pav waiting in the wings again to come back and get his job back. You know, it, it, this is just like the, the Lindbergh Murray situation there. They're, it seems like they're both putting up decent numbers. You know, like if, if one's not going to work out, you got to rock with the other one, because again, Cole Brady, is on another, he's in another universe. He's not even in, he's not even in the solar system at this point in the coach's eyes, it seems like. So we got two goalies rock back and forth with, with them and bounce them off each other until 
one guy solidifies the job, which neither of them really have yet. I could not disagree with you more about it being a Murray Lindbergh situation. I mean, all the power to Henry Graham. His stats are great in the time that he's got this season. His two starts are against Lake Superior State and UNH, who are both in the in the fifties for pairwise. Yeah, uh, and who we saw through our preview episodes are awful at scoring goals. Both yep. of those teams. So I feel like you have to take that into consideration when you're thinking about this. Um, Pav has a plus nine twenty save percentage against. Um, at what 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 one point this season was a number one in the country strength of schedule. And I think one bad game against BU who scores four goals a game shouldn't like dictate that. That's just my opinion though. Now, all right, let me, let me give my counterpoint. If we're going to go full, full on, uh, what is this like high school debate team type thing? All right. If we're going to start doing this, um, if we're just talking about the context of who's going to start against UConn, right? Henry Graham hasn't lost his job. He hasn't had any bad games granted regardless of the, of the teams that he's played against. We haven't seen him play against a, a, a top-ranked team pairwise. You know, like, we, we just know that. Give, give him the shot. We don't know how he's going to do. If, he, if he's going to play like crap, give, you know, I mean, the team, the, te- the season's already lost. You know what I mean? It's not like it's going to matter if we even win these games going forward. Like, we're not going to get an at, at-large bid in the, in the NCAA tournament. The only chance that we have to extend our season in any remote aspect is going to be by winning the playoffs. And let's at least see what we got. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't been challenged against good opponents. Give him at least one game against UConn. If he plays like garbage, so be it. We've already seen Pav let up six to seven goals against high-ranked pairwise teams. BU, Providence, freaking, um, what was the other, was it just those two? Remember like our really, yeah, it was a really, really bad streak that we had for a while. And both goalies were just getting absolutely erased every single game like Pavs we've already seen Pav do that against really good teams throw Graham in net for one game see what happens if he's lighting in a bottle and he starts going on some crazy you know run then that's awesome if he doesn't that was what was expected of him anyway you know what I mean like it's kind of a you really can't lose whatever happens I don't don't know that's just my opinion I just I just think the one chance to get hot and storm through the hockey east playoffs would be like we know it's not going to be our defense at this point I think the one chance is if Pav's in net and he stands on his head. Like, I, I don't know enough about Henry Graham's game yet. I'm not familiar with his game enough to know if he'd be able to stand on his head. Through and the how are you going to find out? You play him, but that he wasn't like, he wasn't recruited for that. Like Pav was under Matt Murray directly for a year, albeit Henry Graham was also there like on the team, but like, I don't know. I think I think the guy you recruited is better suited for that like stand on his head like playoff run moment, which you're really making him lose confidence if he continues to sit for the third string. And I mean, but I mean, all right. So you, your exact point was the exact inverse of the point that I was going to make for for Henry Graham. I mean, we've already alienated one goalie from our roster, which is Cole Brady. Again, he's basically gone. You, you he, can stop mentioning him. He's not even. That's a part what I'm of the saying. So, yeah. but, but that, I'm making that to I'm saying that to make the point. We've yeah. already alienated one goalie. Now, if you have Henry Graham, who you know, when, when in the eyes of the whole, you know, coaching staff is you get what you deserve, you know, it's your net until you lose it. This is going to, if we just happen to bench him again, that would completely obliterate his confidence. Right. Cause he's, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I feel like he's, I, I would think he's happy to be where he is and he's lucky to get what he's gotten already. But I mean, just, I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't seem like the right move to say, you know, 
hey, here's our goalie that we have with decent enough stats in the only game time that we've given him. And we're not even going to give him the, the time of day to give him a chance against a, a, against a solid hockey East opponent. Let, let him try out. Who, what's the harm in doing that? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if he, you know, he hasn't let up any soft goals yet. I have full confidence in him for now until he shows that he's not deserving of confidence. You know what I mean? We've already seen bad performances from Pav. I haven't seen a bad performance out of Henry Graham yet. If he's going to go out and give a bad performance, then by all means, I will say, get him out of here, get Pav back in, and we can have, you know, a fun time with Pavisic for the next game. But until that happens, I just can't in good conscience see him getting benched going forward. That's fair. And if he I, if he does end up playing uh, at least one of the games against UConn, it'll, pro- it'll be a much better test of his his skill. If he, if he shows out against a ranked UConn team, I'll completely change the, yeah. the lane that I'm in. I think. That's what I'm saying. And but that's the whole crux of the argument. I feel like is I'm just in the, in the boat of like, you just got to give him a chance. You know what I mean? I feel like if he's going to let up eight goals anyway, they're probably going to come up on really, really good scoring opportunity because UConn's a really solid, you know, hockey team. You can make the argument would have even made those saves anyway. It could have been a case of, it doesn't matter who's in net. If UConn's just that nice, they're going to get their goals anyway. I feel like the more important thing is that we should focus on freaking trying to get goals on our side of the ice. Mm. We scored one goal against UNH. I feel like the, the goaltending is the last of our worries because it's not like the goaltending was what lost us the game against the worst team in Hockey East. We should focus on our goal scoring first and foremost. I'm not even concerned about who's in net going forward. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's the least of my worries. So yeah. I feel I like we're... I guess coming in with the Henry Graham and goal, my thoughts were, hey, maybe maybe it's the the spark that this defense needs to to play better in front of their goaltender. And I, I mean, at least in this game, it didn't really show that that like one would lead to the other. So maybe I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm very cynical at this point in the season with yeah. everything that's happened. So it's just like take our words with a grain of salt. Yeah, it just seems like the point of like if you're requiring your goalie to get you a shutout to beat a team at this point, you're not destined to win games regardless. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Fair. Yeah, we got to focus on ourselves yeah. first and foremost. I feel like we're, we're worrying about the wrong end of the ice right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move to our final custom award. I am going to be giving out the uh, Always a Bridesmaid, Never a Bride award. And it is going to Scott Morrow because he has been very good at assisting in goals lately. He's got quite a few assists. He's uh, taken over the the points race on the team. He's at 20 points right now, um, all through assists, but he hasn't scored a goal since October. So he's always getting the apples lately, but never that goal. So um, yeah, that's why I'm giving this award. He's played well so lately, yeah, at least no, on the offensive side. He's been doing his thing. I mean, he, he, he hasn't fully shut me up yet. Like, don't get me wrong. I still think he needs to do better in the defensive end of things, but I mean, offensively, He's, he's looked a lot better recently. I'm very, very happy with the way he's setting up his, his teammates. You know, he looks very, very solid, you know, skating in the offensive zone. I'm, I have half a mind, make him a damn forward at this point. You know what I mean? Like he, he is so sick at offense. It's like, why bother? Sure, even Carolina back? would love that. Dude. I mean, honestly, he, he looks really, really solid when he's out here, you know, focusing wholeheartedly on offense. He, <laughs> that's, that's a huge part of his game. So yeah. very happy to see him doing his thing up there. And, uh, Hopefully it continues. It's just I still am of the mind that he has to clean up the defensive side, and, and I'm hoping that that'll come soon because it'll be a huge boost to the whole team on all ends of the ice if that happens. Yeah, it definitely will be. So good on you, Scott Morrow. Um, all right, so that I think is everything we had to say. Um, this game just kind of solidifies that UMass won't be 
um, knocking on the doorstep of Hockey East this season. They have 13, 11 points right now. Merrimack's in the lead with 30. So, um, yeah, UMass is ninth out of 11 total teams. So it, it doesn't seem like a regular season Hockey East championship. Obviously, that's not happening. But um, they really got to get it together and try to um, at least scrape out a home game in the opening round of the Hockey East because right now that's looking a little – a little bit daunting. Even Maine's ahead of them right now. I was just about to say, yeah, it's what Vermont and UNH below us. And yep. then, bro, Ben Barr is above us in the standings, bro. <laughs> what? Yeah. That, I mean, no no, no disrespect to, no, I'm not throwing any shade to Ben Barr. Very, very happy for him. But holy crap, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I was expecting a regression, but like, holy crap. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this yeah. is advanced regression. <laughs> you know, like, this is. <laughs> This is wild. So, you know, at this point, I mean, I told myself last weekend that I wasn't going to be overly concerned with the outcome of this game. And here I am sitting (laughs) in my room doing a podcast openly in despair, you know, like I, I don't know what to feel anymore, but um, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say, I'm not trying to go into the preview episode for the next series yet, but I'm going in with zero expectations, maybe negative expectations. Like I just, I don't care what happens going forward. Like I'm, I'm not that concerned. Like yeah. once we get through this rough patch of games, then I'll, I'll look at, you know, maybe we can get some wins toward the end of the season, but for right now it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned our pregame uh, preview episode. We'll be having a special guest for that one. So make sure to tune in to the Yukon preview um, also, I just wanted to ask if anybody knows of any way that we can get to the game at UConn. Um, they built their arena too small, so they're not selling individual tickets to the public. If anybody has a way that we can get a ticket somehow, please let us know. We're trying to check it out and do a full uh, vlog and arena reviews to, to show it to every, all of you guys, but got to get there first. So if anybody has any kind of connections, let us know. And other than that, yeah, thank you guys for listening. No, we went a little bit longer than we meant to on this one. We just have a lot to say. So uh, thank you for hanging in there with us. And like we always say, go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. And let's go, Henry Graham. Woo! <laughs>